I mean, it is the year. It's 2016. That's crazy. I remember a comic when I was in high school that, what is the name of the comic? I won't even remember it. It's really not important. But the wife of this guy says it's, it's whatever year it is. And he has this horrible expression. And he says, I thought it was still 1994. And that is burned into my memory for some reason. And I'm thinking, man, it is a long time since I saw 1994. <laughs> a long time. And I'm not that old. But it's starting to get a little weird. You know, the New Year's is starting to seem almost odd. But we are in another one. 2016. It's upon us. It's the second. And what do I talk about for the New Year's sermon to kick the year off right? <laughs> Actually... I didn't do that intentionally, but yeah, kind of is, it is from Leviticus. It's so Holiness. Yay. I will say something tonight that will bother you. Because studying this, I was studying some things and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I need to get better at that. I need to improve on this. And I've got three parts here. So, fear not. If the first one doesn't bug you somehow, the second and third one probably will. And if none of them bother you, and you're ace in all three of these, please come up here to this pillar, and you'll be praying for people, and then partying whatever it is that you have. So that would be great. I'm only half kidding. All right. Holiness. Point one. God wants us to be holy. Amen. 1 Peter 1.13-16, Peter at the end of this quotes Leviticus. Leviticus says this catchphrase three times, and he's quoting it right from there. I cannot believe it actually is Leviticus, but it is. This is what, what Peter says. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. This is already a fun one. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say in Leviticus, you must be holy because I am holy. It's a pretty simple equation, not so easy, perhaps, to walk out. I want to draw attention right off the bat that we're not just to be holy. We're to be holy as God is holy. To be holy as the God who called you, Peter says, is holy. So if that seems like he's kind of qualifying what kind of holiness he wants you to have, he absolutely is. I recently learned in school something that really seemed weird to me. When I think of holiness, I have a certain, I guess, a certain grid for what I consider holy to look like. But when Leviticus was written, in the ancient Near East, it was totally different. Because the cultures that were there, the Canaanites and all those people, they had holy things too. And holy still had the idea of being separated. It still had the idea of being set apart for divine use. And a thing could be holy, a place could be holy. People could even be holy. People like temple prostitutes were holy. Because holy just meant something set apart. It didn't even necessarily mean good. There were no moral connotations.
the holy at all. It was just something set apart, separated. But Yahweh, with his special people, changes the game. He does something that is not common in the ancient world, and he says, guess what? Not just things, not just people, not just places, but I myself am holy and set apart. I myself am completely other. And I want you to be holy like I'm holy. Well, that sounds like a tall order right off the bat. It kind of is. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 2 say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. All right? And the Spirit of God was, what was it doing? My mom got it. It's a lot to It's hovering over the water. My professor for this class said, if you get nothing else out of this whole semester, it's this verse that's the most important for Old Testament theology. God hovered over the water. Over, over, over. He didn't come out of it. He wasn't in it. He wasn't the water. He's holy. He's separate. And that is a distinctive from all other ancient religions. Our God didn't come from somewhere in nature. He's other, holy, separate. That dog has been beaten. All right. So what does it mean, then, to be holy like a holy God is holy? Thankfully, God spells it out for us. But this surprised me. Because when I think of being holy, I think of people that don't do a whole lot of stuff. The don't do list is pages and pages and pages and pages long. And really, they don't have a very nice look on their face, and they're not actually very nice to talk to. Now, that is my issue, and I need to pray through that, forgiving for judging people that I generally act this way. I'm sorry, I'm intentionally creating a grim picture of holiness. But I'd be lying to you if I said that wasn't the one I carried around in my brain for a long, long time. But Psalm 15 is a good description of what a holy person might look like. So let me read this to you. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord, and who may enter your presence on your holy hill? By the way, I'm trying the NLT tonight, so if these sound a little different from the normal ESV, they are. New Living Translation. Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. Speaking the truth from sincere hearts, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts, those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand firm forever. Quick note, New Testament adjustment. This part in here about not liking flagrant sinners, scratch that. That has been modified to, you better love flagrant sinners. Just want to say that right off the bat. We notice in Psalm 15 that somebody who wants to hang out with a holy God has to do a bunch. There aren't a whole bunch of do-nots listed, but the type of person that God considers holy is proactively good. Well, that blows my mind right there. These are the people that are lending money without interest. They're keeping their promises. They're nice to people. They don't talk smack about people. And if it hurts them, they will still keep their word. These are people of almost ruthless integrity. Oh my gosh, well this sounds like somebody that I'd like to be friends with. Right? How about this one? 
Psalm 24, verses 1 through 4. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. Succinct. That's not a full theology of holiness, but it are, it, it are, oh good grief, it is some things that are important to God. Pure hands and pure hearts, never telling lies. God is a God of truth. God is a God of purity. Amazing. Somebody who doesn't worship idols has God prioritized. That's a holy person. In this culture, I would argue that being pure is also proactive. You have to be proactively pure. That's good. It's really good. And so we come headlong into this conclusion that to be holy as God is holy entails not doing the don'ts, but it also entails maybe more so doing the do's. So I would challenge us all, point one, for this coming new year. By the way, I think I'm going to title this message, Messy Holiness. Messy holiness. A New Year's challenge. <laughs> Sounds nice. Challenge number one. And this is foundational, so I'm going to hit it hard. I want to challenge us all to be willing to be holy this year. What does that mean? This is what it means. God makes the rules. When God says, don't, we don't. When God says, I don't approve of that. We don't approve of that. And when God says, be this way and do this, we say, God, change my heart. Let me be this way and do this. It means being like him in character and thought and action. Now, some of us have read a little bit of the Bible, and we've read some of Paul's lists, the famous lists in the New Testament. And we like to harp on things like sexual immorality in those lists. But there are other things in those lists, like don't be greedy, don't have outbursts of anger, don't be pessimistic is kind of the connotation, don't be a whiner, stop complaining all the time. Every one of us in this room, including your pastor, I hope that doesn't disappoint you because I'm human, will find something that we can improve on. And I would just like to challenge us all this year whether it's a challenge to be proactively good or whether it's a challenge to set aside that thing we know we need to set aside, let's be willing to do it. And right now, together today, I would like to bow our heads right at the beginning of this message. And I would like to agree, if you're willing, and I hope you are, to be willing to be holy. This is not agreeing to be perfect when you walk out that door. This is agreeing to let God be the boss of your behaviors and thoughts. This is asking God to give you pure hands and a pure heart. And this is you telling God, this is Anthony Davis telling God, Lord, I'm in. I'm in for 2016. Let's bow our heads and I'm going to say a prayer. Father God, you have called us to be your holy people. Holy means we act like you, think like you, reason like you, and agree with you. I... Fill in your name there. 
2016. I give you my thoughts, actions, behaviors, contemplations, everything. It's yours to tinker with because you are God and I am not. Because you are my Lord and you are my Savior. I agree with you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I could stop there. But we're going to be really glad that we just did that. Because we have two more points. Yay! <laughs> Can I get a shout of joy from the Lord of Zion? Amen. First challenge, be willing to be holy. Hopefully we all just did that so I can move on and we can, we can hit it from a different angle. We're not just supposed to be holy. Remember, we're supposed to be holy as the God who called us is holy. This is key. So first is agreeing with him in our thoughts and actions and behaviors. But there's a second part. I'm going to read from the Old Testament. I know that is also a shock. If you've come here long enough, you know that's pretty normal. Right after God finally drops the hammer on Israel, and they finally get deported and taken captive, Ezekiel prophesies this in Ezekiel chapter 36, regarding what God has to say about his own holy name and reputation among the people. Check this out. This is God talking. But when they were scattered among the nations, they brought shame on my holy name, they as the Israelites. For the nations said, these are the people of the Lord, but he couldn't even keep them safe in his own land. Then I was concerned for my holy name, on which the people brought shame among the nations. Therefore, Ezekiel, he's talking to Ezekiel, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I am doing it to protect my holy name, on which you brought shame, while you were scattered among the nations. I will show how holy my great name is. This is a key verse, by the way, 23. Imagine I'm saying it twice. I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations, when I reveal my holiness through you. Before their very eyes, says the Sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you up from the nations and bring you home again to your land. Now he talks about something that may sound familiar. This is the new covenant promise. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Let's not miss the incredible impact of verse 23. As I was studying for this, this jumped out and grabbed me. Every now and then that happens, and I love it when it does. This is fresh for me this week, okay? Verse 23. God intends to display his holiness through us. Makes sense. Because he called us to be holy as he is holy. But that's not all. That would appear to be the key part of his plan to proving to the entire world that he is the one true God. God displaying his holiness through all of us, his people, mm -hmm. 
is a key way that he is intending to prove to everyone that doesn't know him that he's legit. That is a heck of a job description for us. And the people that are going to do that are these people who have the new spirit, who have the new heart. Well, who is that? Is that the ancient Israelites 3,000 years ago? It's not. That's us. That is us in the new covenant to have the Holy Spirit, God's own spirit, indwelling in us and have been made new creatures in Christ Jesus. This verse is talking about God's plan for us. This is what Peter is talking about. Be holy as the God who called you is holy. Big job description. This sheds some new light on some things that Jesus said. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is in the same vein as God's mission revealed in Ezekiel 36. Jesus is saying, go out, shine bright, bring glory to God. Because him revealing his holiness and you, Chris Flaw, and you, Ronnie, and you, Anthony Davis, is part of the way that he intends to show the world that he's God. Amen. No wonder, then, that in Mark 8, and also in Luke, Jesus says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father. Because you are wrecking the plan. Challenge two. Number one, be willing to be holy. Number two, be willing to be known as holy. Be willing to be known as people that are the way you are because you have a new heart and God's own spirit within you. It doesn't matter if you don't smoke and don't drink and don't watch cable TV and you only cussed once when you were six and you still feel bad about it and you give to the poor and you've joined every coalition for every cause that you possibly can and you've given away most of your clothing and somebody else is wearing your shoes and you have six homeless people living in your attic. If when people say, why are you the way you are? And you're like, oh. And you never give God glory. That may be the person that Jesus is saying, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Amen. Because you're wrecking my job description. You're not going through with the plan. It's not for your glory. It's for the Father's glory. Let's be willing to be holy, but let's be willing to tell other people why we are the way we are. Let's be willing to look for those opportunities. And you know what? Not everybody likes to hear that. And not everyone likes to hear that Jesus is the reason that you're different. A lot of people don't like to hear the word Jesus at all. Christian is about the only swear word we have left. Everything else is acceptable in prime time. But don't call somebody a Christian. Right? I mean, it's, it's strange but true. But part of the call is to be willing. So let's, let's actually bow our heads again. Father God. 
God, we are in it to win it. We agree with you. We want to be more like you. We're not saying we have it all together. We're not saying we have it all made. We are saying we trust you because you said you would complete the good work. We trust you because you said to just forget about the past and push on towards the goal. We want to do that. And we choose in 2016 not to be ashamed of you because you made us holy. You made us who we are. You made us who we are. I'm not ashamed. In Jesus' name, amen. Incidentally, on points one and two, we don't really have a choice. <laughs> we don't really have a choice. And if that sounds a little too confrontational, maybe I'll just put my own name in there. Anthony, you don't have a choice whether or not you want to be holy. That's the call. Anthony, you don't have a choice whether or not you want to be known as holy. That's the call. If you want the call, that's what you have to do, Anthony. That is it. It really isn't an option. And besides that, the word saints in the New Testament that Jesus and Paul are always calling us Christians, do you guys know what that means? It means holy ones. <laughs> it's the same word, agios. Go look up the song, I'm a Saint by Lecrae. That's L-E-C-R-A-E, I'm a Saint. He preaches it better in a rap song than I could ever preach it right here, and he does it in about three minutes. It's phenomenal. You should all check it out. It's a good time. All right. It's not okay to live a pure and righteous life and refuse to give God glory. On to point three. Is this good? Man, I'm having so much fun. I got to tell you. Oh, write the emails to Cameron at newberrycommunity.org. <laughs> all right. Heaven cannot contain God. When they finally built God, his glorious huge temple... Solomon finished it. He's dedicating it. He's saying this elaborate prayer. And then this bursts out of his mouth. And now, O Lord, God of Israel, carry out the additional promise you made to your servant David, my father. For you said to him, if your descendants guard their behavior and faithfully follow me as you have done, we already talked about that, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Now, God of Israel, fulfill this promise to your, to your servant David, my father. But will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much, how much less the temple I've built? I wonder if that was unscripted. I wonder if he was saying this elaborate prayer when he realizes, wait, this is kind of ridiculous. Like, not all of creation isn't big enough to contain God. And I made a structure? That's kind of ridiculous. And Solomon steps back from the whole elaborate process and the festival and the celebration of the throngs of people and the art and the glorious gold. And he's like, you know, really? And once I put it in perspective, this seems kind of small and insignificant for the massive God that we have. And that's in the dedication prayer. <laughs> that's a guy who understands the bigness of God. And yet, this giant God who can't fit his pinky in the cosmos, if he even had a pinky. I don't really want to debate that. <laughs> he says this to Moses. Before Solomon even builds the temple, he calls Moses up to the mountain, and he says, I want you to have the people of Israel give me stuff, if they're willing. Don't force them, but if they want to, have them give precious gems and gold, because Exodus 25, 8, I 
want to live among them. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. It was a tent in the desert. The God who can't fit inside multiple galaxies, the God who's too glorious for the best temple, chose to live in a tent just so he could be by his people. This was complicated because God is holy, as no doubt I've mentioned a couple times. And holiness and sin or corruption don't mix. In fact, holiness can't really be around sin and corruption. They're like oil and water. God hates sin. Problem, though, all these people that he loves are notorious stubborn sinners, and he wants to live with them. So now we have to do something about that, enter the sacrificial system. But if you look at the sacrifices, they wiped the blood that made things pure on weird places. They wiped it on the altar. Did the altar ever do anything wrong? They brought it sometimes if a priest sinned or if the whole nation was repenting of sin. They brought it inside the sanctuary and they would wipe it on the incense altars. Did they do anything wrong? I don't think so. And once a year, on the most sacred day they had, the Day of Atonement, where the sins of Israel were carried away by the scapegoat, one priest who took his life in his hands entered into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled the blood of a sacrifice on the mercy seat where God's presence dwelt on earth. Did the mercy seat ever do anything wrong? No. But all of this is necessary so that a holy God who's completely other can have fellowship with the people that are nowhere near where they should be yet. Thank God Jesus came. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14, and then 23 to 26. Check this out. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, the new covenant, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonial unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, whom through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Jesus was not just the sacrifice. He's the priest carrying his own blood before God, not into some figurative holy of holies like they made on earth. That was a model, guys. It was a picture. It's a shadow of what's really going on. He really crossed through the curtain of death into the very presence of God and offered himself as a sacrifice. And God said, you did it, Jesus. Now, sinful man and a holy God can coexist because of what you did. Now it's permanent. Now it's permanent. And I'm going to send you, in a sense, right back in my holy ones who are supposed to be holy as I'm holy and they're going to go do what you did. They're going to go represent us on earth. 
a holy God who couldn't stand sin, hated it, who loved purity, jumped in to a sin-filled world because he loved it. Jesus lived in that sin-filled world to love and redeem it. And guess what Jesus says about us? He says he wants us to do the same thing. John 17, 14 through 19. I've given them, his disciples, your word. And the world hates them. He's praying, by the way. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. They do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you, he's praying to the Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. <laughs> Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is the truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. It's not just about being willing to be holy doing the do's and not doing the don'ts. It's not even about letting people know that you're holy because of God. You are this person that's great and does good things because of Jesus Christ. There's one more step that makes it messy holiness. You dive in to a sin-filled world. Paul told the Corinthians, when I wrote to you in my letter and I said not to you, not to hang out with simply immoral people. Well, I'll just read it. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin, or who are greedy, or cheat people, or worship idols. You'd have to leave the world to avoid people like that. <laughs> All this like, guys, jump in. You're missing the point. You've been made saints, holy ones, purified by God. Your job is to go forth and represent Him. Ezekiel 36, remember your Old Testament. They'd be like, oh, right. We're supposed to prove to the world that Yahweh is the one true God because His holiness shines forth in us. And we're supposed to do that only on Sunday and Wednesday night at church. No. <laughs> You're supposed to do that at the gas station. Do you have a golf club? Good. Do it there. Do you work in a restaurant? Great place. What hobbies do you have? You know, I mean, Chris used to fight and represent the Lord in a dojo. They can be done everywhere. Holiness should touch every aspect of your life. And only when we have all three components, I would argue, we are really holy as God is holy. Willingness to conform to his character in thought and action. A willingness to be known by his name. He's the reason we are the way we are. And a willingness to dive in, to love people in situations that are far from holy. Because that's what he did. Even if it cost him his life. Even if it cost him his reputation. Which it cost him both. Are we willing to dive in and love an unholy world just like God? Let's bow our heads one last time. Father, you are good. I, you know, I'm this charismatic church. You found one, but you didn't know it. I just got an image of God smiling in my head like, yeah, I'm proud of you guys. This is a tall order, but I'm proud of you guys. 
God, we are in it. We want to make you proud, Dad. We want to be holy like you're holy. We want to be known by your name. We want people to know that we are who we are because of you. And we want to dive in. Show us how to do those three things. Show us how to improve in all of them. And let us make you proud. And let us reach this world for your glory because of the way we live our lives. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. If you don't know the Lord and you would like to, now is an excellent opportunity. And I would be available for prayer. So come on up front and let's chat. Other than that, I think we're going to have prayer with Heather and Chris for a little bit. Come on up here if you have anything at all, prayer requests or needs. Feel free to get some coffee and hang out. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed.